Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I'm coming to you from my parents' house outside of Houston, Texas. And this is our last little summer foray before we head back home and start getting ready for the new school year. What in the world? How is our summer already almost over? It makes me kind of sad. But school will be starting, and you know what that means. When school starts, we start a new round of Feast of Fast. Time to rein things back in and get back to a normal schedule, a little bit normal eating schedule. You know, things are a little off for me in the summer. I don't make that a problem. It's fine. Um, but I do look forward to getting back to something a little bit more regimented um, and scheduled, even though um, it does come with its own version of crazy. <laughs> with the school year. But I can tell you what that will not include. That will not include counting calories because you know that is something um, that I don't do, which doesn't mean that you shouldn't. But I do want you to be cautious if that is your primary focus, especially uh, for weight management. And so we're going to talk about that today. You know, in last week's podcast, when we were talking about how biblical women didn't have fancy fitness equipment or exercise apps or group classes or anything like that, I also alluded to how they didn't count calories. You know, they didn't even know what a calorie was. Calories weren't even a thing until the mid-1800s. So again, you know, we can look through this historical lens to get some perspective and realize that we don't have to count calories if we don't want to. I did a podcast called The Secret to Not Counting Calories a good while back. It's one of the earlier ones I did. Um, and so that's a good one, but it's a little bit different than what we're going to talk about today. Um, and it's kind of interesting because I was thinking more about calories more than I normally do, which is not really much at all. But when I was doing my carnivorous experiment, I was thinking about them, not because I was worried about getting too many, but actually because I was wondering if I was getting enough. Even though I was eating, I felt like I was eating so much meat, I could tell there were some days that I probably wasn't hitting what would be considered my daily calorie target. So I actually did count one day, um, which, you know, I, I lasted about one day, but that's all I needed. I just wanted a little snapshot to see kind of where I was. And sure enough, um, it was under and it was significantly under. That was kind of early on in the experiment. And as my body adjusted to all the meat, I was able to eat more. So I don't think I was undercaloried, you know, the whole time by any means. But there were certainly some days, more days than usual, when I likely came in under what would be considered my, you know, calorie target. And it was kind of an interesting context, you know, thinking about it in terms of getting enough calories while most people are checking calories to making make sure they're not getting too many. But the thing was, I just wasn't hungry. 
You know, meat is so nutrient dense and your body uses it so efficiently. Remember how I told you that the less waste comes out because your body uses so much of the protein so efficiently. Um, so there's not as much waste or bulk left over. But, um, but anyway, that said, there were definitely days I knew I probably didn't get enough calories, but I was full. So this raised a lot of interesting thoughts and questions for me, you know, about listening to my body versus worrying about a calorie number. Um, you know, I was just thinking, do I eat more, even though I'm not hungry? You know, just because I should be getting these calories, you know, is this, is this going to damage my metabolism? Is it going to make it slow down? Does it even really matter if it slows down? Because I'm at a totally healthy weight. I mean, that's probably what it should do. You know, all these things going through my head. But ultimately, you know, I just felt like as long as I was feeling good and had enough energy and I was healthy and eating healthy, I didn't see it as a problem. There were some days I felt a little bit laggy and energy. And so I would, you know, eat a little extra fruit, fruit and that was fine. Um, but this scenario also got me thinking about some of my Feast of Fasters who find themselves in a similar situation of not being hungry when they start fasting and switching to a more nutrient-dense diet not even animal-based or anything like that, just cleaner, a cleaner, overall, more nutrient-dense diet. And they may not eat quite as much as they normally do, you know, and I've had a lot of people ask me in the group, you know, how many meals a day should I be eating? I'm only eating two meals a day. Is that okay? I'm just not hungry for more. And they worry that that's a problem because, you know, of course, we're not counting calories in Feast to Fast. Um, but they're just kind of going by how many meals they're eating and kind of comparing how they used to eat to what they eat when we're eating a feast of fast and to them they can tell it's less but they're not hungry and so I'm like no you know it's not a problem if you're not hungry don't eat if you are hungry eat you know seems pretty straightforward but because we've had this calorie model ingrained in our heads we doubt our body cues and focus on the numbers now listen if your body cues are telling you to eat a bag of chips and a pint of ice cream, then yes, you need to question that. <laughs> and that's when something uh, like paying attention to your calories can be helpful, you know, but it just has a lot of pitfalls that come with it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I want to point out that, you know, in the cases of my carnivorous experiment and my Feast of Fasters, we are all eating a clean nutrient-dense diet. And when you do that and your body gets what it needs you are less driven to eat more food, to eat more calories. When you eat a bunch of junk, your body will drive you to eat more because it needs nutrition. It needs protein, fat, vitamins, minerals. When it gets those things, you know, in, it's like, all right, I'm good. I'm full up of what I need. So you can stop eating now. Um, plus, for a lot of people who need to lose weight, once their body is able to access fat for fuel, they can finally burn the excess calories stored on their body. And so they may not need to eat as many calories for a while while their body's kind of playing catch up, right? And burning through uh, the stored energy. But not everybody's body is able to access their fat to burn, which is one of the things we're going to talk about today. But before we do, another thing I would offer for you to think about is that it's not really natural to eat the exact same amount of calories every single day. You know, we calculate our calorie needs based on our height, weight, age, level of physical activity, all the things that go into our 
um, basal metabolic rate, and we come up this one with this one number, and then we center our metabolic life around it. You know, counting calories has been the primary form of weight management uh, for a long time. That's what's been recommended for so long. But if you look around, you know, take a look around in America, uh, it's not really working that well. We're going to talk about some of the reasons for that. But, you know, I would say that hitting the exact same calorie target every day um, displaces body cues. And, you know, do you think biblical women were eating the same number of calories every day? I'm thinking not, <laughs> you know, they would have eaten according to food availability and to hunger cues, which may have been higher on some days and lower on others. That's normal. You know, they weren't like, oh, I haven't gotten 1800 calories yet, so I better have some more olives or I better pass on that extra piece of bread because I've already hit my calorie max for the day, you know? Now, listen, I'm not saying calories don't have a place. You don't want to have more energy coming into your body then you can use. That's all calories are, you know, a measurement, a unit of energy, extra energy on your body is stored as fat. So you don't want to be in an energy surplus. And you don't want to be in a situation where your body can't access that fat as fuel. That's when we have a problem. But let's be clear, your body is not counting calories. It's not like you have an internal calorie ticker you know, in that when you hit a certain number, your hypothalamus, the boss hog of your brain is like, all right, now we make fat, everybody, let's start turning everything into fat. You know, when your calories, your food energy goes in, there's a whole lot of things that happen. And we get so hyper focused on the number going in and the number going out, but don't respect or give a lot of thought to all the factors in between. It's not as simple as exercise more and eat less or calories in calories out. Because guess what? A lot of people can't get their calories out. Their cells won't release their fat, even if they're eating the perfect number of calories. So let's go ahead and dive into this because one of the biggest calories out blockers is insulin, which is known as our fat storage hormone. You can't count calories without considering hormones. In the book, uh, The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung, he says, Everything about the human metabolism is hormonally regulated. Obesity is hormonal, not a caloric imbalance. So you've probably heard by now that not all calories are created equally. And this is why your food choices, your calories tell your hormones what to do. A calorie of olive oil does not behave the same as a calorie of steak or broccoli or cookie in your body. We've got our three macronutrients, right? We've got our proteins, our fats, and our carbs. And the metabolic processing for each is a little different. We need a nice balance of the macronutrients and counting calories doesn't mean that you're getting a good balance. Most people are getting too many carbohydrate calories and this makes insulin show up too often, too aggressively. Now, insulin is not the bad guy. We need insulin. It shows up to put all of your calories, your food energy in the right place, especially carbohydrate energy, because carbs turn to sugar in the body and your body can only have so much sugar in the blood at one time. So insulin tells your liver and your muscles to open up and store the extra sugar. When those places are full, insulin sends the extra energy to your fat cells for storage. This is normal. This is not a bad thing. But 
Insulin is the hormone that puts your body into storage mode. And the problem with that is when it's in storage mode, it's not in fat burning mode. Insulin blocks fat burning. So if you're eating too many carbs, insulin is showing up too often and keeping you in storage mode. So your stored energy, your stored calories can't get out. This is called being a sugar burner. Your body gets stuck in sugar burning mode and can't burn fat. That is not being metabolically flexible. And that's a problem. But see, you could be staying within your calorie range, but eating in a way that is blocking you from being a fat burner. You can count your calories in, but if you have insulin regulation issues, and a lot of people do, your calories can't get out because the insulin is preventing it. Here's another problem that falls into the insulin category. A lot of people drink diet sodas and use artificial sweeteners because they think they're saving calories. Those may not have calories, but they can still trigger insulin. When your body tastes sweet, it thinks calories, food energy is coming. And so your brain tells your pancreas to release insulin to get ready to store the sugar that it thinks it's coming in. So you're drinking your diet soda thinking you're saving calories, which you are, but you've signaled insulin which tells your body to be in storage mode, not burning mode. Now, even stevia, which is a more natural sugar substitute, still tastes sweet and still triggers the body to think food is coming. One study referenced in the obesity book showed that both aspartame and stevia raised insulin levels higher than table sugar. You can't fool the body, my friend. It had a pretty smart designer, (laughs) you know? And, you know, these sweeteners, these artificial sweeteners especially, um, are wolves in sheep's clothing. That's why in the first two weeks of Feast of Fast, we don't allow, you know, any of the artificial sweeteners or even stevia or even gum. You know, the sweet taste of gum has the potential to do the same thing. And so we want to be totally clear, you know, clear the decks of these really sweet things while we train the body to be metabolically flexible, to be able to burn both sugar and fat efficiently. We want to dial back the release of insulin to liberate that fat to be used as energy. That doesn't mean you can't ever, you know, chew gum or use stevia again. I mean, I would stay away from the artificial sweeteners, but you can have the stevia, the gum and the carbs, but you just want to make sure you're managing the relationship between your carbs, blood sugar and insulin well. Now, speaking of artificial sweeteners, That's a good segue into our next problem with counting calories, which is gut bacteria, because artificial sweeteners are not helpful for promoting good gut bacteria, and our gut bacteria influences the way we use food energy or calories. Some bacteria can make you more efficient at utilizing calories, some less efficient. So the more imbalanced your gut bacteria, the less efficient your body will metabolize food. Remember in the podcast I did called A Gut Reset to Budge Weight Loss, we talked about the dream team of bacterial strains that have been shown in the leanest, healthiest, and longest living people in the world. Those are bifidobacteria and acromantia. Bifido helps us digest carbs, protects against pathogens, help us make vitamin B vitamins and antioxidants, and it correlates with decreased inflammation and improved ability to use blood sugar for energy instead of storing it as fat. Acromantia helps determine how food energy gets absorbed. Apparently, the more acromantia in the gut, 
the fewer calories are absorbed. So this is another example of how you could be staying within your target calorie range, but your body is holding on to more calories than your neighbor, you know, who has more bifido and acromansia. That's why the status of the gut is so important and doing a gut reset can help you bust through a weight plateau. But eating things like artificial sweeteners and other processed foods throw off the balance of your gut bacteria and make it more hospitable for the sugar-loving calorie holding on to, you know, bacteria uh, to thrive instead of keeping a strong presence of bacteria that work in your favor, like bifido and acromansia. And the more of those sugar loving bacteria you have in your gut, the more you're going to crave sugar because those little suckers want to be fed. You know, this is where your body cues can get messed up. We are mostly made of, of bacteria in our bodies. We have more bacteria than human cells. So they have a very large presence and large influence in how things go down, like literally, like the food, the poop, all of it. And if you've eaten in a way to promote the bacteria that thrive on sugar, then that is what they will drive you to eat. So that's one reason gut health is so important. And again, it's not as simple as calories in and calories out. Now problems three and four when it comes to counting calories are sleep and stress. And I lump those together because when either of those are off, meaning you are getting too little sleep or too much stress, your body produces more cortisol, which is another hormone that affects weight. When we overproduce cortisol, we accumulate more belly fat. Increased cortisol leads to increased blood sugar and increased blood sugar leads to increased insulin. And we've already talked about what increased insulin leads to storage mode, not burning mode. Plus more belly fat leads to the production of more estrogen and being estrogen dominant leads to more fat storage. So there is a whole lot of vicious cycling going on here. The cortisol becomes a fat trap. Now calories don't account for any of this. You know, you could be diligently counting calories yet gaining weight due to lack of sleep and too much stress. Also remember from the podcast I did on the Genesis prescription for sleep, you know, when we don't get enough sleep, it throws off our hunger signaling hormones, leptin and ghrelin. And studies show that people who don't get sufficient sleep crave more sugar, have an increased appetite and eat more. Okay. Now the fifth thing, um, fifth problem with counting calories um, is that it doesn't take into account your breath. Remember, we recently talked about how most of our lost weight comes out of our body through our breath. Is that still blowing your mind? Because um, me too. <laughs> I just still think this is so fascinating that our lungs are the primary excretory organ when it comes to fat loss. Carbon dioxide is an end product of the natural process of breaking down fats and carbohydrates that we eat. It is returned from the cells to the lungs and the excess is exhaled when we breathe. So if you're not breathing efficiently, if you're breathing too fast or breathing through your mouth too much, it affects the way your body is able to offload your metabolic waste. You don't want to blow this off, my friend. <laughs> you know how I love me a good cheesy pun. Um, but I do, you know, want you to think about that. And I do highly recommend those books that I referenced, Breath by James Nestor um, and The Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McCowan. Now, Breath is an easier, more enjoyable read, but The Oxygen Advantage is more technical and practical as far as giving you specific breath exercises. Okay, so those are the top five things um, off the top of my head 
There are definitely more, but I think that's enough to get your wheels turning, you know, for today. I'm not at all trying to dissuade you from counting calories. I just want you to be aware that there's more to it than that. If it was as simple as calories in, calories out, and that worked, uh, we wouldn't have the obesity problem that we have today. But it's not that simple. And it's kind of shocking, actually, that it's still the primary way we think of when it comes to weight management. I honestly was kind of thinking it was more my generation and older that are still stuck in that mindset, you know, and kind of think that way. Um, but I had a college student just reach out to me this last week and ask me how many calories she needed and how much she needed to work out to lose weight. And so I directed her to the place on my website where you can do those calculations and figure out if, you know, if you do want to know how many calories that you need, I will link to that blog post in the show notes in case you would like to go there and figure that out as well. But I warned her and I warn you not to put all your eggs in that basket, you know, and just to know that you don't have to count calories. The more you eat real food and your body gets what it needs and your hormones and hunger cues are stable, the more you can trust your body to guide you about your energy needs, about how much food you need. You know, we get so in our head about the numbers and it can make us just kind of so nutso, which is why I teach Feast to Fast the way that I do, because not sweating the numbers is my jam. You know, I just, I can't deal. And I think there's other people like me that can't deal. It just makes them too crazy in the head. Um, So we just keep anything to do with numbers to an absolute minimum. You know, we don't count calories. We don't track macro percentages. Yes, we watch our carbs, but that's about it. My goal is to get us less in our head about food and calories and weight and all that and more in our head about God and how incredible he made our bodies and the way that we use them to do his work in the world and also to get back to the way he designed our bodies to be metabolically flexible to burn both glucose and fat. So if you want to learn it to do that this way, Um, Or even if you know how to do it, but you need a good reset and the accountability and the company of fellow believers, then come join us for Feast of Fast. We start on August 16th. I'm so ready, so ready for um, just kind of tightening up that discipline a little bit more and, you know, going back into the school year. I crave that. Um, But also, if you're a health professional who wants to teach others this freedom from counting calories and how to be metabolically flexible. Feast to Fast coach training is open and will start at the same time. We have nurses and fitness professionals and NTPs and some other um, health professionals who are Feast to Fast coaches teaching this method. Um, And it's awesome. They get to generate some income doing what they love and keeping God front and center. We are spreading the message of more God and better health. And if you want to be a part of that team, go to Feast to Fast dot co backslash coach and fill out an application send me an email if you have any questions um i'm here i'm here for all of it i want you to come and do it and if you are a health professional i want you to teach it i want to spread this around the world it has worked so well for so many people and it makes my heart so happy so I hope that you learned something um, helpful and useful today, gave you something to think about, gave you some good perspective. Um, And I'm just so grateful. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon.
and remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.